How long have we known each other? Jesus, I'm 80 now. You're 80? Can you believe that? No. It's fucking ancient history, man. I can't believe it. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Literally with me. It's Rob Lowe. Um, today, one of my oldest friends. I don't think you necessarily think of me and David Crosby as old good friends, but that's the truth. Um, known each other for, gosh, over 30 years and been through so much together. And, you know, like a lot of old friends go through years where we don't see each other, multiple years where we may not see each other. But whenever we get together, it's like old times and like we've never been apart. So um, it's going to be a really, really fun talk. And I'm going to get to the bottom of him wearing a cape when he was in um, The Birds, because I've had more rock stars talk about David Crosby in a cape as being like the iconic, coolest thing a rock star has ever done. I got I to gotta, I gotta find out what's what, and I'm going to. So, ladies and gentlemen, David Crosby. I have so many great memories. I, I think the first time I came to Santa Barbara, one of them was to go out on the Mayan sailing with you. Oh boy! Do you remember to go to taking me out I on the mine? I remember taking you out on the way. Didn't you go from like Florida to the Pacific with her one time? What was the most radical? Give me some. No, no, I want some David ones. Crosby sailing I brought her stories. From, I brought her from Florida through the Panama Canal and up the west coast of America to, to here. I mean, west coast of South, you know, uh, Mexico and and up to here. But that wasn't the best one. The best one was sailing from. Uh, California down to Mexico and then from Mexico to Hawaii. Mexico Oof. to Hawaii, 3,000 miles, open ocean, glorious. What's the most interesting you've ever seen on the water? The most fascinating thing I've seen in the water has been a, a, a humpback whale. No, I mean, no question. Because you know how everything is bigger underwater? Yes. Well, man, when a whale swims up to you underwater... It looks like the size of the Empire State Building. You saw it? Okay, you were diving when you saw it. Oh, a number of times, That's yeah. insane. Wow, that's crazy. Okay, this is cosmic hippie bullshit, but I, I swear they, they, they understand who we are, and, they, and they, they're way smarter than, than we understand. That's the dolphins, particularly. I've been in the water with dolphins a hundred times, probably, but I've seen whales underwater, and we found one, man, off the coast of Maui. When we were diving, we heard one. You can hear them singing. The humpbacks are the ones that sing. Yes. Yeah, I've heard them. It's a huge cry, right? Mm-hmm. We heard him, and we could tell what direction he was coming from, so we, we went that direction we, until we found him. And he was hanging, head down, just hanging there, not moving, singing. And he stayed that way for probably, well, we stayed under for all our air, so at least 20 minutes. Wow. Not moving. Hanging vertically, sixty feet long. Yeah. And what is it like? Because you, the sound travels so many far, miles, many miles. So I've been in the in the ocean many times in Hawaii, and you can hear you them can at hear them. distance. What's it like when you're that close, though? Just louder. It's it's loud and it and it's so strange and so otherworldly. Do you know what I figured out, man? I mean, in old literature, you hear about them talk about sirens. That's the siren song. That's what you, when they were talking about the sirens, mm. right, they imagined that they were these half-woman, you mm-hmm. know, luring monsters that were trying to lure them away yeah. from their path on the sea. Bullshit, it was whales. That makes perfect sense. They do sound like sirens. 
They can hear them through the wooden hull of their boats. Plain as day, you can hear them. Right. They couldn't tell what it was, so they made stuff up. You wrote a number of songs on the Mayan. Wrote wooden ships. Cantner was down and Stills came down and the three of us wrote it. It was good. I wrote uh, Lee Shore on there. I wrote uh, Rusty and Blue, which is one of my best songs. I write a lot there, or I used to write a lot there. Tell me, I, I want to ask you a little bit about your relationship with Jackson Brown because I love... I, I didn't realize you're you're singing harmonies on pretend on the the track Pretender, right? Yeah. What other Jackson songs are you on? Uh, the whole first record. The whole first record. I did all those harmonies. All of them on the first, and but the Pretender obviously is the. S- That's me and Nash both, and we're and we're on the Pretender. We're on a couple of other ones with him, but um, I did all the harmonies on the first one. Um, I think Nash did, did um, on one one song. I did all the rest. Um, Jackson and I, that's a tough one. I love the guy. I think he's a good human being. His new song, he's got a new good song. I mean, you have a great new album too, but he, his Cleveland Heart song's great. I have great new albums rather uh, more than everybody. I, I, I've got <laughs> another one since the last one you, you know about. Really? Yeah. The last one that I put out was called For Free. Yeah. I've already done another one since. How do you have your energy at 80? Because I'm not on the road. I can't go on the road. You cannot go on the road. Rob, the people, I'm going to get in trouble. No, not you. you yeah. d- look, d- really, you would, Dave, you're you would, getting in trouble? We've never seen that. You would never say something that would get you in trouble. That's yeah. just not who you are. I'm getting in trouble right here. I do think going on the road right now is stupid. For what of the many reasons? I'll tell you several. Okay, and I was talking with Walsh. I was over at Walsh's house having dinner. He's I, on the road now. He's Eagles. on the road now. He and I was over there, and he and I and Ringo were talking about it for a, a, a good couple of hours. And, uh, man, the the way it is on the road right now, I know the Eagles make a lot of money. Right. I understand that. Yeah. I wouldn't go. Even for that money? It's it's no fun. Why is it no fun? No guests, no family. From the transport straight to the stage, from the stage straight back to the transport, no backstage, no no guests, no get back to the hotel. You are locked in. Mm, it's Room good. service, period. That's it. You can't go out to a bar. You can't go out to a gig. You can't go out to have fun. You can't go out to a restaurant. You can't do anything. And every single one of those tours has got people getting sick anyway. It's screwed up. I take it seriously and I love it, but I was on the road. I didn't raise my kids the way I would have liked to. Uh, the only one that I got to actually raise has been Django. Yeah. You, you live through cra- a crazy, crazy time and you've got, uh, you need a scorecard to keep up with Kinda. your kids. Six kids, five mothers. Wow. Ouch. I mean, there should be an award. <laughs> well, two of those now are, are Melissa and Julie's kids. Right. Right. One of whom is gone. Yeah, I, I know. That's a sad, sad story. Oh, man. Whew. And Django is one of the sweetest Human He's turning out so good, man. You got to see him. He's a seriously strong guy, and much smarter than I am. Much smarter than I am, and very scientifically minded. Mm-hmm. I think he's going to wind up doing something that he's brilliant at math and science, and I never was. And kids are fun, man. He's. I loved um, seeing he and Janny in the in the documentary. Remember my name? Yes, Cameron Crow and uh, AJ. Yeah, yeah. It's they a great did a good job. Huh? Really. Really, what I thought it captured great um, was the goodbyes of leaving your house to go on the road and then the coming back to your house from being on the road. I thought that was 
super authentic. None of that part is easy. But, you know, we really didn't have a choice. And you, you had to go on location and I had to go on the road. That's how we did our gigs. Right. And it's not something we can take a pass on. I, I miss it. Truthfully, I miss being on the road a lot. I'm happy uh, at home and I'm really happy with what happened with my family. Got My relationship with my son got way better uh, because I'm there. That's stupid. He needs somebody to talk to. When you and Jan are like, like the two of you have formed like one person. Well, 46 years, man. 46. What do you think the secret is to a successful long marriage with all of the craziness that... Honesty. Mm. Don't bullshit each other and uh, don't ever fucking cheat. Just don't ever fucking do it. That's got to be hard. In the, in the, the, what for, we, me, for me and you. What we live, yeah. <laughs> it's not easy. <laughs> Right? I remember you before you got married, and you remember me before I got married. <laughs> yes, I so do. we know what we're talking about We here. do, we do, and, yes. Uh, I was much worse than you were. That's impossible. Ladies and gentlemen, I'd like to say, I'd like to go on record at this point and say that Rob Lowe was not anywhere near as bad as I was. Not anywhere near. And he certainly had the opportunity well, and had better looks to I, do it with. I, I'm going to believe you, only because <laughs> I've talked to too many, and read too many famous <laughs> rock stars talk about david crosby and the cape <laughs> i was having lots of fun man riding around on a motorcycle with the cape yeah that was pretty silly i love that uh well it had style but you know <laughs> i was just a kid man i i i, I pretty much am still a kid that's the funny part is i haven't grown up i uh there was a rumor going around that i would grow up but it didn't pan out really uh, it didn't take did it no it's I'm calmer now, you know, at 80 than I used to be. Some don't get mad as much and have more fun. Well, we've never really talked about this. You, and I didn't really realize it, you actually saw Joni and got her, brought her to L.A., right? Mm -hmm. Joni Mitchell. Yeah. You saw, it was you, because there were a lot of people in the mix yeah, no. after and before, but it was you who found her. I found her in a coffee house in Florida. Walked in and she was singing Michael from Mountains or Both Sides Now or one of those unbelievably good songs. And uh, yeah, I, I'm a songwriter, man. I can't ignore it. If, if it's there and it's that good, she was, on the face of it, the, the best songwriter I had run into anywhere. Might still be one of them. In her prime, I think she was the best singer-songwriter in the world. She's as good a poet as Bob, which is saying some shit. Mm-hmm. And uh, she's 10 times the musician and singer that Bob will ever be. And I love Bob. He's my friend. But, and he knows that he's not as good as she is. None of us are. What's her best song for your, for your money? That's like saying, what's your best I child? Know. But probably, you know, Coyote or River or, you know, one of those ones off of Blue. Blue, yeah. Blue, probably the best singer-songwriter record ever made. And she, was everybody as floored? They were. She kind of took the... Yeah. By storm. What are you gonna do? She sits down, gives you a cute little smile, and then sings something that rips your heart out. What are you gonna do, Johnny? Mm. Everybody got goo goo eyed and just followed her around. Followed her around, right? Well, duh. She's revered, man. There's a, yeah. there's a, an entire coterie of people around her who worship her. You know, uh, Brandy Carlisle goes over to her house about every fifteen minutes. And, you know, it's these. Uh, and I don't blame him, man. I, I worship her talent myself. I, I'm, I still love her dearly, 
Yeah, it's you're you are a truth teller, man. You I try, man. You, I really try. The other way, you got to remember what you said, and I can't remember shit because you know I'm stoned. I just got stoned. I, I, you were blowing that vape. It's as close to getting stoned as I've been in many, many years. But it made me feel like Woodstock. It was good. I felt like I got you a glimpse. You are so full of shit. You just, I, I just missed the cape. That's the only part. There's no fucking chance with the guy with with Stills and Graham and no. You ever get tired of talking about it? Uh, no, I expect it. And, I, you know, I, it's, yeah, a little bit. No. Uh, here's the story. Okay. Because, you know, I know all you, the three you of you really, really You know all really, of us, really and you got a right well. to ask. You're our friends with all of us, man. Yeah. You've been our friend for a whole long time. Yeah. Uh, okay, so, Neil, I definitely, you know, screwed it up by criticizing uh, uh, Daryl and saying bad stuff about Daryl, because I don't like Daryl. So, I, I don't like how that one played out. Uh, Graham seems to G be... Just a tremendously unhappy person now with everybody about anything. Um, Stills and I, I saw Stephen, man. I saw Stephen at, at uh, Finnegan's Wake. Finnegan had a, um, a memorial service out in Topanga. And uh, you know Mike Finnegan. You yeah. remember Mike? Yep. So I went because Mike was my first sponsor in the AIA and, and one of my best friends, a tremendous guy. So I went and Stills was there. Wow. How recently is this? Uh, a few weeks ago. Oh, wow. Oh, geez. Yeah. Okay. So Stills and I were both there. Chrissy was there. Most of the family was there. Right. And he and I got to sit next to each other, and I got to hug him, and I got to tell him I loved him, because I do love him. Yeah. Of course He's a do. wonderful cat, man. You know, went through a hard time with drugs. White-knuckled it, got out off him himself. Not like me. I, didn't, I went to prison. That's what it took. He did it himself, which is a hugely laudable thing to have done. And truthfully, man, Stills, you got to know, he was the real deal in that band. The reason that CSNY, the reason that CSN, for 40 years of it, the reason we were any good was Steven. Stills is one of the most talented guys in the music business, always. He swung. Now, other people can play. Some of them can play lots of notes. Very few can swing. Want to know what was wrong with the doors? Hmm. They didn't swing, ever. Still swung the minute his hands touched a guitar. It was just brilliant. It was shiny. It was unbelievable how well he did it. He did it over and over again. He was a great writer. He was the best singer in the band, the best guitar player in the band, and the best writer in the band. Me and Nash, we're just harmony singers, man. Good writer. I'm a good, decent writer, you know, uh, but not like that. Carry on. Love the one you're with. Love the one you're with. Hello. Now, that's Stephen Stills. And you can't, you can't fault that shit. It's just too fucking good. It, it feels like all of you had different times where you had to support the other. Like, it feels like none of you had it together at the same time together. Not after the beginning. Right. Other than the beginning. And it was fine at the beginning. Beginning, we all happened to be in good shape at the same time. And, and uh, we were not strung out yet. Longer, longer all of that went along, the more dope there was. And that slowly disintegrated us. You know, me especially, more than anybody. I mean, that's the thing is people, we talk about drugs. It's like, it works great until it doesn't work anymore. Works great for the beginning. Yeah, in the beginning. You think it's just fucking terrific. And then it kills you slowly. It's being tough on me. I'm 80 and it is not easy at all. But you're happy. I'm happy because I got a, a family, man. 
you're happy. You have a family. You have a home life you love. I mean, I'm not. I I, I from afar as a longtime friend. I think you're in the, among the best shape that I've ever seen you. I lost a bunch of weight. That helps. I mm-hmm. lost sixty pounds. I I sold my publishing. Oh no way! I think I read this and then forgot about. It. That's great. Yeah. Why wouldn't you? Well, why would you though? The, the, here's the thing. <laughs> I I didn't want to. You didn't want to. No, but. Okay. You're 80 years old, David. I know, but here's the thing. I had two ways of making money, right? Touring records. Yes. So, long comes streaming, they don't pay us for records anymore. That's how it is. We don't get paid for the records. Make a record, you're never going to make a nickel from it, period. Not a fucking bit. It, it's only Unless something, you're Taylor Swift. It's only something I, new to play on the road, period. It, you don't get jack shit. They, they, they are making billions, which is why I'm pissed at them. They're making billions of dollars, but they're not sharing it with the people who make the music that they're selling. Half my earnings went away right away. Half my, my normal state of living for 50 years has been that and it's gone. So I think to myself, okay, be grateful that you can still play live and pay the rent and take care of your family. So along comes COVID and I can't. I'm shut down. Right. Sold the publishing. So, but let me, but devil's advocate, you're 80. Take the money. It worked. It, it allows me to take care of my family. The first thing to do is pay off the house. Look, the perception in all businesses has changed. There was a time when one you couldn't, one wouldn't be caught dead doing a commercial. Now, everybody, everybody's done one, will do one, wants to do one. And I did one. I did one years and years ago uh, for AT&T. There was a time, I remember when they, you know, Bruce famously wouldn't sell any of his... Well, the, that's it, different. Selling one of your songs... For them to use as like, you know, like... Like a rock, Bob Seger for the truck, for example. Don't do that. Because now every time don't you hear like that. a rock, you think of the commercial. You don't right? do just, that. You don't You, you don't can't do, do it? That. No, don't you piss can't. on a good song like that, man. You can't do it. You can, but nobody's going to have any respect for you. Right. I guess you don't want to hear a day in the life underneath a... By the way, that's a story I didn't hear. I didn't realize you, the Beatles played you. In life, yeah. In this, you got to just walk me through that. You just have to. Okay. Tell me well, about here's that. the deal. We're in London right now. I've got good pot. They did not. Wait. You mean to tell me the? Be- What's the point of being Nobody the Beatles? Nobody in England did. What is the point of being the Beatles if you can't have good pot? I totally agree. <laughs> no, in point? England back then, man, the way they were doing it was they they could get hash in. Hash was has always come into England in. I, I learned this. Welded into the frames of the trucks that bring the fruit and vegetables from Southern Europe up to England. So there was hash. Right. Lots of hash. No problem. Lebanese hash, Afghani hash, all over the place. But they would put it on tobacco. Mm. That's what they were fucking smoking. It was joints of tobacco with hash in it. Awful. Awful. What is the, I never understood the difference between hash and... You are such an innocent... <laughs> no, I am. I'm t- <laughs> I had my stuff that I did, but I wasn't a smoking guy. I wasn't. I wasn't. <laughs> You're a funny dude. Okay, so hash is, you take the, the resiny stuff of the pot, and instead of having leafy matter, you get the resin and you ball it up into just a ball of resin. Got That's it. hash. Gotcha. Well, they had that, but they hadn't, didn't have good weed. And mm-hmm. I rolled up some joints, and, and they loved me. They loved our music, in all, in all fairness. They loved the birds' music, and they, they thought we were a real breath of fresh air. Everybody else was trying to do predictable, dumb shit. And we were writing good songs. And they liked us a lot. They made that very plain. They told Roger the same thing. You can ask him. So they were extremely nice to us anyway. 
but they did they did enjoy getting getting loaded and uh and uh, we did get extremely high a lot and i was at the studio with them that night and uh they sat me on a stool in the middle of the room and then they rolled these speakers up in at that time in that studio they had these great big they were the size of a coffin with wheels on the end standing on their end and they rolled them up on either side of me right i'm sitting on a stool like a little gnome right in the middle of this huge room the the big studio there is gigantic tabby road studio the big room okay the big room is fucking gigantic it's for recording orchestras so i'm I'm sitting all alone in the middle of it these two huge towering speakers on either side of me and i'm as high as i can get man i've taken all the drugs i can find i am ripped bombed screwed up absolutely wasted and they played me day in the life and nobody'd heard it i'd never heard it I mean, my brain's around on my nose in a puddle on the floor. It was like... Oh, yeah. That was all stuff nobody had done before. Two different songs mushed together like that, and, and you taking you over here and then wham, over there. And my I, favorite I was song. I didn't know whether to laugh or cry or shit or go blind. I just... One of the best experiences of my life. Because you know how sensitive I am to music, man. It's my lifeblood. Right. And this was music quintessentially fine. You couldn't, at, at that time, in that place, in that kind of music, you couldn't do it better. And they were nice about it, too. And they laughed when they came down here. When you hear a song like that, what do you, you immediately want to tell everybody? But how, how could you possibly... Back then, you couldn't. Describe what you no just... No, Twitter. I would have been on Twitter. I, I what guarantee you. What would you have said? I would have said, I just heard one of the most, most beautiful pieces of music of my entire life, which was absolutely the truth. I can't imagine what that Yes, was. you can. Think about the time you saw a piece of acting that was so fucking over-the-top good I, I actually, that it, it, it left you just aghast. Well, I'll tell, tell you what it reminds me of is I my aunt and uncle were working on what they called a B-grade, low-budget space western. And they took me to where they were doing the special effects, and I saw an early assemblage of some footage, and it was Star Wars. And... I had that. You had one of those. I had one of those. I, you heard the day in life. I heard Star. I saw Star Wars, and I was like, the world music would never be the same, and it wasn't, and movies were, would never be the same. And not after was, that. Not after that. No, it changed everything. The big Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, fiftieth uh, anniversary, whatever the heck it was, the big HBO documentary on Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. It's you guys come out and sing with. Is it Jackson? Are you doing the Pretender? Yeah, you're doing the Pretender, Jackson. Well, he came and sang with us. He sang so with you. Well, we had the first hour. That's right. So they got James to come up and sing with us, and they got Jackson to come up and sing with us, and Bonnie to come up and sing with us, which is a huge honor because all three of them are better than us. <laughs> That's their, I mean, I don't know, but they're great singers. I mean, and uh, it, we did we did great anyway. But that was a great concert. Was Stills ever a spy? No, of course not. You know, he told me many times he was. I know that. I've seen him get so high he came downstairs in a uniform too, man. In the uniform. We all did a lot of stupid shit. <laughs> it's too good. It's too good. I believed it so, for, for a while. You know, you were a gullible young fella. I was. I was like, I did not know that Stephen Stills would get parachuted behind enemy lines. <laughs> and then just go back on tour. Who? I mean, it's kind of a good cover yeah. story. It's kind of not. <laughs> um, who's the best... Who are the best harmonizers? Who are your favorites? Everly Brothers? Are you Everly Brothers person? That's where I learned. Probably the best harmony work that I've ever heard 
is the Bulgarian National Folk Choir in a record that was made in the 60s under the direction of a man named Philip Gutiv. Is that based on its complexity or its beauty? Complexity and beauty, both. Both. Beyond belief. Beyond belief. Because there's... Bulgarian folk music taken out by a really, really, really good uh, arranger to a level that I can't touch. Well, that's the thing is your your harmonies are are beautiful, but they're super... They can be super, like, complex. It's it's fun, man. Yeah. Yeah. you know, the normal harmonic structure is a, this regular major triad. Ba, da, da, da. Yep. And that's nice, and, and I do it lots. But it, it's not the only way you can do it. Right. There's a lot of other ways, places to go. Well, I love, and I love doing counterpoint. I love doing one line going this way, another line going, you know, like eight miles high, eight miles high, hey, eight miles high. That. Mm-hmm. I like doing that. I like converging and diverging lines. I, I like stuff that that is genuine counterpoint, answer back lines and, and stuff. I, I like all kinds of ways that you can structure a song to take people on a little voyage emotionally. That's what we're trying to do. It's the same thing you are. We're trying to take tell them a story and take them on a little voyage emotionally. You do it larger. Your, your medium is a superior medium to our medium because you can incorporate our medium in your medium. I, I think your medium's no, superior. No, not a chance. A movie is the premier experience of art that you can have in our times if you do it well enough. And the music is part of it. It's, it's bigger and more powerful. It's the biggest, most powerful art form on the planet. There isn't any question. And you guys are good at but it. See, I, I, well, listen, I, that's... A huge compliment to to the people who do what I do, but I mean, when I look at your work alone, your work with Neil's work, all of it, it's like that's time stops. I can instantly go back. I mean, music is a time machine, and I don't think movies are a time machine. I think they're superior art simply because they they can encompass more, and you got more tools. I can't show you a war in a song, not really, but Private Ryan can. Has there ever been like something you're like, I don't get it? Yeah, Larry David. Interesting. Never made me laugh once. Not once. Not once. Uh, and that one's just not there for me. You know, I'm I'm spoiled, man. Robin was one of my best friends. Yeah. So my my funny bone has been seriously fucking tickled. That's so interesting. Yeah. Who um Jimmy? Hendrix? Hendrix? Fascinating. Fascinating. Right? Way smart. Not a stupid mother wrecker at all. Mm-hmm. Uh, and much gentler and much more subtle and much more complex than you would imagine from how he behaved on stage. His stage act was an act and really good, and he did it extremely well, but there was a lot more going on. So interesting. What, um, and Dylan, I mean, how about how many incarnations has he had? Uh, I mean, I, you know, I feel for Bob, man. World went crazy on the poor fucker. He comes along, he's a good folk singer, and he turns out he's a really masterful poet. Right. And then the goddamn world goes crazy to the point where there, there's three people trying to take his garbage cans apart too, way too far. And he was rebuffed by it. He, he was, his career path was not a happy one at that point. It was way too over the top. He got too famous, too big, too Too famous, lauded. too bad, and he didn't like it. He was not a pop guy. He was not trying to be Elvis. He was trying to be a poet. He was trying to be a decent guy and write songs that, you know, mattered and would help with the black-white thing. 
He's, he was an activist from the get-go. He's a caring, good poet. Not a pop star. I don't think it went well for him. He's still my friend, and I still love him, and I will always love him. When he plugged in, was that the moment, the beginning of the pop star thing, do you think? No. I can tell you how it happened. I'm holding my breath, folks. This is old school pot smoking where you talk and you hold your breath. I just want to say one thing about that. <laughs> so here's, here's, your, here's your picture. There was a recording studio on Melrose down in Boys Town called World Pacific. And at night after they finished recording the actual music that they were being paid to record, we could get in there and use the studio to rehearse. That's where the birds became the birds. Mm. So after we'd been doing that for a couple months, the guy that was managing us knew the guy that was managing Bob and got Bob to come by. Now, Bob's still a folk singer. 68? We're talking 68 now? 67? 64. Jesus Christ. Bob comes by. We sing Tambourine Man to him. Electric. The Roger McGuinn arrangement. Yes. Okay, Dylan absorbs it the way a sponge absorbs water. Utterly fascinated. Sucks in every single molecule. Leaves. Gets a band the next day. So you're the one. You turned Bob into a pop star. It's your fault. We didn't mean to. We just were trying to make a record. He listened and he, he knew what it was. He saw the cape and was like, I'm It wasn't the cape. You did. You're so and obsessed then, with and, that And then cape. he was like, that's a dope look. It was theater. You guys are the only group who could get away with it for me because you know how much I love you guys. And you guys could come out looking. You you would come on stage looking exactly as you look right here. Well, often. yeah. What else would you do? Why well, you? you could put clown white on like Bob. I didn't need to. <laughs> <laughs> Did I say that? Oh, I'm trouble uh, now. That's the fucking... <laughs> this. There's so many great quotes in this interview as I know there would be. It's just too... Tell me just quickly about James Taylor. Because you know I'm, he's, I, you know how much I love him, and you sing on he's, my face. He's my hero, man. I, he's your hero. I've absolutely loved the man. He's a gentleman. He's a family guy. He, like me, was a junkie. He beat it. I beat it. There's only a handful of us that did. You got to hand somebody props on that. It's the hardest thing I ever did. I'm proud I did it. It's the hardest thing he ever did. I guarantee you. And he did it. God bless him for that, man. Because the man has given us more good music than anybody else. Right. Just. I, I got 30 of his songs in my head. I, I was listening to him come driving down here. My God, he's good. It's hard. I'm going to go with, because of who I'm sitting with, Carolina on my mind. That was what I was listening to. Oh, man, it was so much fun. He did a, such a funny thing. We were, we were cutting at it. And we could do harmonies pretty good. Me and Nash, both good harmony singers and Grant and... He's a really good harmony singer also. So we're sitting there, we're doing him around one mic, standing there. And uh, we, we go along and I hear this tiny whistling noise. We get up to a certain point and I hear it again and look at her and we can't figure out what the hell it is. What's, there's something that's back, feeding back or something. It was, it was James the whole time. He can make a little whistling noise with his teeth. And he was just doing it to be fun. And then it was made me laugh so hard. 
He's such a sweetheart. He's such a decent guy. Yeah. In the first place. And such a good musician. He swings. Oh, dude. Copperline. Copperline. Might be one of the best. He's got it. I mean, it's like you could, go on, him, you could go on and on and on, right? Yeah, what are you going to do? It's like he's got so many. Did you listen to the last record he made? I haven't heard it okay, yet. Okay, well, I'm going to tell you that you need to listen to his last record. Him with the back of his green truck. He, there's a song on there that he wrote about his grandmother and Fenway Park. Oh, my God. Great. And it's one of the best songs I've ever heard in my life. Really? One of the best songs I ever heard. And it's about a baseball stadium and his grandmother. It will show you how good he is uh, still to this day. So great. So You know what? I got to tell you something, Rob. Mm. This is fun. And we could do it all day because we know a lot of people. Yeah. <sighs> I love it that you and I stayed friends all this time, man. America, take a listen to this because Rob and I don't think alike. And, but we're respectful of each other. We always have been. Yeah, for sure. We, t we treat each other with respect and, and we communicate with each other. And you guys need to know that. You know, and, and there's always been so much that, ever, that we all have in common. If we just stick to the stuff that we have in common and let the stuff we disagree on is like, let that fall down the list and we'll get to that later. Kind of. You know, it, if, you, if you're not trying to hit your show over the head with it, you yeah. know. I think it it's it certainly worked for me and you because we stayed friends and that's what the important thing was for me you know I, I uh, anybody that does listen to this you can do it I'll tell you one more yeah I might have a new job oh yeah we're ready all right so a few months back I get a phone call from a guy at Rolling Stone who says we want you to do an, an advice column and I said you're out of your mind I think it's genius. I said, I am a noted loony. I remember using those words, <laughs> noted loony, and no one's going to ask my advice about anything. You're <laughs> out of your mind. He says, that's why it's funny, Dave. Okay. I, if, okay. Yeah, sure. So what we've been doing is we've done it about 10 times in Rolling Stone, and they don't show me the questions ahead of time. Yep. So I'm winging it. Yep. All right. So while I'm doing this, three different groups of people come up to me in different ways, contact me. And say that's a that's a TV show, wow. and I said you're out of your mind. Much standard answer. You're out of your mind. Nobody's going to let me loose with anything like that. Well, they did. What? And they want me to interview one person per show, have a guest on, and interview them and talk to them. One hundred percent, because just in this conversation, you're so good at it. I'm good at it, and it's fun. Yeah, and you. And what I love about you and and this is all people at at any age who've accomplished what you've accomplished. They all have the one thing they all have. You guys all have in common. My heroes like that is you're interested still. Like you're a fan still. Oh, I'm very interested. I, let's. I'll come in and sit on the. I was going to ask you. I, I'll be on your couch. I, was gonna, I, I, I need a lot of advice, David. I need a lot of advice. <laughs> you can I, always call me, but you know what kind of advice I, you're I know get. what kind of advice I'm going to get. I need a lot. I you know I'm I'm always in the market for. For good advice. Um, I love you, man. Thank you for coming on. It's my pleasure. We're shaking hands. Give Janny a big hug for me and Django. I will. There's no one like David Crosby. And, and now you know why. That was vintage, vintage cross. And I was happy to bring it to you.
<laughs> we got to get to it. All right, I'm going to listen to some of these lowdown lines. Here we go. Hello, you've reached literally in our lowdown line where you can get the lowdown on all things about me, Rob Lowe. 323-570-4551. So have at it. Here's the beep. Hi, Rob. I'm Casey from Houston, Texas. And I just finished watching The West Wing for the very first time. Absolutely loved it. But I have a question. Uh, whether If you ran into somebody that has never seen anything you've ever been in, what would you recommend them to watch first? Big fan, love everything I've seen you in. Have a great day. Wow, thanks thanks for calling in. Well, I think you picked the right thing. If I had to pick one thing, it would be the West Wing. I uh, the grinder would be another. Um, and on the comedy side, for sure, very well received comedy where I play a demented actor. <laughs> it was a stretch. I I don't know how I did it. Um, but th- those would be the two West wing and the grinder. Really good question. Thanks for calling in. Um, I will see y'all soon. By the way, don't forget uh, parks and recollection parks and rec fans. It's a fun podcast. It's going great. We've got some really fun guests coming out. So if you're at all interested in parks and recreation, you do not want to miss parks and recollection. You can get it wherever you're getting your podcasts. And if you're so inclined, I wouldn't mind a five-star rating and review on both the podcasts. Uh, super important to me and I read the reviews too alright appreciate you and I'll see you next week on Literally you've been listening to Literally with Rob Lowe produced and engineered by me Rob Schulte our coordinating producer is Lisa Berm the podcast is executive produced by Rob Lowe for Low Profile Jeff Ross Adam Sachs and Joanna Solitaroff at Team Coco and Colin Anderson at Stitcher our talent bookers are Gina Batista, Paula Davis, and Britt Kahn, and music is by Devin Tory Bryant. Make sure to leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts, and we'll see you next week on Literally with Rob Lowe. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Stitcher. Stitcher.